And then she got up. And I thought about Christians and disciples and preachers. And then I thought about the things that God wants to do through all of them. There was something in this scripture tonight that I had never noticed before. And if you look back with me and read with me again, starting in verse number 36, it said, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which was interpretation is called Dorsa. The woman was full of good works and alms, which she did. Talking about a good woman of God, working for God, doing things for God. Now listen. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in the upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was not a Joppa, now notice what he says next. And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. Well, I know the word disciples mean one being taught. I know Peter was a disciple. But now he is the one doing the preaching. But I thought to myself as these men knew that Peter was nigh, wonder why they weren't close enough to pray and do the same thing that Peter did. But they had heard Peter was close. They had heard that the things that Peter had done through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were persuaded if he could get there, something would change. And I thought about this as we look and, and think about what is a Christian, what is a disciple, what is a preacher? Now I know I've been preaching a lot on, on Christianity and that's good. We need to know more about being a Christian. We need to know more about what is, is thought of a Christian that it should be doing. We look around and we see that some are shunning the house of God when they should be more in the house of God. That's not what I'm here to preach on tonight. Turn with me in Philippians chapter 4 verse number 1. The Bible said, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So that's something that needs to be done. Stand fast, especially this day and hour. Are you with me? Say amen. We need someone that will take a stand and stand on it. Now listen to me. I'm a firm believer that Jesus is the only way. We need to take a stand on that for sure. I'm persuaded the old King James Bible is the way to go. I'm going to take a stand on that. Is that okay with you? I believe I'll take a stand on that there is healing in the name of Jesus. I believe in my heart tonight that Jesus can not only cure sin sickness, but he can cure any disease. We see that his servant, Peter, came and laid hands and prayed and said, get up. When he called her name, she looked at him. Well, that's one thing that we need to do tonight. We need to look to God tonight. 
from which cometh our strength. Now, Peter being a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ had the power through prayer, through believing that he spoke her name. I, I wish they had recorded what he prayed. I wish they had recorded what he prayed, what he said to God. But I want to say this tonight. The things that were done before he got there was probably more important than what he did when he got there. What do you mean, preacher? Well, first of all, he was a Christian. That was done before he got there. Second of all, he was a disciple that had been taught. That was before he got there. You know the trouble with a lot of people in America now? <laughs> I like what that preacher said up at the funeral today. Said Willard was always bragging on his four girls. And he said his daddy always bragged on his four boys. Said them's the smartest boys I know. Said you can't teach them nothing. Are you teachable? Remember the message I preached on that? Are you teachable? Well, somewhere along the line, Peter had been taught. Now stay with me just a minute. Let's visit Peter's life. I'll never deny you, Lord. How many of us said the same thing? Lord, I'm going to be a Christian till the day or die. And our brother over here testified to it that he walked a guilty distance two or three years from the Lord. Every person in here has been a guilty distance at one time from God. If it wasn't just one hour, one minute, or one day, or two or three years or five years, We've all been a guilty distance from our Lord and Savior. Peter, you're going to deny me. Not me, Lord. I'm going to death with you. No, you're not, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. So Peter in his discipleship was being taught. Now, the school of hard knocks is the best teacher. That's the best way I've been taught anyhow. I remember them hard knocks. Peter boasted. Peter bragged. Peter stood up in himself. Cut his ear off. The Lord said, no, Peter. Stuck the ear back on. You're going to deny me. But here we read that he prayed and the dead arose. So what are you saying tonight? You know what needs to be done here tonight? We need to work on our unbelief. The church world right now is so far down that we have begun to not believe it ourselves. Isn't it sad that this is hallowed ground when we were young? This was hallowed ground for sacred folks to come preach the word of God. This was a safety place for you to come and rest from the weary world outside, but not anymore. The world is made... God's house of none effect. The world don't need God anymore. Heard we got computers that can do it all. We don't need God. We got water pumps and get water whenever we want it. We don't need God. We got uh, things that'll grow underground on top of the ground in the water. We've even grown it in outer space. We don't need God anymore. Peter said, 
her name. Do you know your name's important? For the Bible said your name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And if your name's recorded in the Lamb's book of life, that's important. Why? Because one day we're going to stand for God and He's going to search the book to see if your name's been recorded there. And if He finds not your name in the book, in hell you'll lift your eyes. And I thought about as Peter was summoned to come and he came and he prayed and he called her name. Now one thing I want to say tonight that I already said, I wish I had recorded that prayer. But I want to tell you why I think you didn't. Because if they had recorded that prayer, we might have given Peter the credit. So they didn't record the prayer so you'd give God the credit. God is the one that gave life. God was the healer. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he called out his name, I'm sure, and she arose. Now in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 1, Brethren, now notice this, Dearly beloved and longed for. He had a desire for them, didn't he? My joy and my crown. So stand fast. If there's ever been a time when we need to stand fast, church, it's now. We don't need to waver. Now I want to say this tonight to every soul, including myself. Don't get disheartened because the pews ain't full. Everybody got on board that wanted on board. And I'll leave it right there. Everybody that really wants it will come get it. Amen. Can I tell you a story? Well, I'm going to tell it to you anyhow. We got up early of the morning to pick tomatoes. We picked one ton of tomatoes every single day of the week. When tomatoes start coming in to harvest them, you pick seven days a week. And we pick by hand 40-pound boxes, put them on the sled, sledded them off the mountain down to where we could put them on the truck, put them on the truck, eat a bite of supper, went to the tomato market to unload. This is commercial now. They dump them, wash them, grate them, and then they pay you for them. Every single day was the same thing. We started at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm just a towhead. I want you to know that. That wasn't child abuse. That was survival when I was little. Amen. And Grandma would always say, Son, make sure you eat a good breakfast. You'll need it. Well, that one particular morning I got up. And for some reason, I, I said, Grandma, I'm okay. She said, no, son, you'll get hungry before lunch. You get out there at 5 o'clock in the morning, go to picking tomatoes, and you pick the 12 o'clock of the day. Now figure that out. How hungry are you going to be? Yeah, I was probably 7, 8, 9-year-old at the most, carrying 40-pound boxes of tomatoes out of the field. Ain't no wonder my arms is so long. And about 10 o'clock, I thought I would die of starvation. And I was getting weaker and weaker. The point I'm trying to make here is, Grandma had cooked it. 
Grandma put it on the table. All I had to do was eat. I'm preaching on standing fast in case you missed the point here. And grandma made sure I understood. Son, you'll need that before the day is over. You better stand fast this day and time. You're going to need that. Well, grandma saw me getting real weak about 10 o'clock. And she said, Rodney, that was my nickname. She said, I put some biscuits in the warmer because I knew you'd get hungry. Off of that mountain I went, running like a jackrabbit. Now, y'all don't remember what a warmer is on no wood cook stove. And she had put that country ham in them biscuits and put it in that warmer with a slice of tomato. I grabbed two in the pockets, one in my hand, and out the door I went. And I had all three of them eat before I got back to the mater patch. The point of it was, Grandma was telling me that morning, son, you better stand feist. When he's saying stand feist, you better hold to the routine. You better eat. You better eat while you can. Church, we better eat while we can. When God sends a good message through here, a good revival service through here, when the Holy Spirit's working, we better eat. Because there's going to come hard times. And from 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock seemed like forever and a day. And then we had to come off the mountain and load them while Grandma was fixing supper. And then we had to go set sometimes to 1 or 2 o'clock the next morning to get unloaded and back up at 5. Yeah. My grandpa did that two years. We had tomatoes and tobacco. Second year, he said, Rodney, he said, we ain't never going to grow another tomato, not even to eat. See, tobacco, you worked it two or three days a week, and then you cut hay and whatever else needed to be done. But when tomatoes come in, uh, you see it says on the box, vine ripened. Let me tell you what vine ripened is. It's pink on the bloom end. This barely pink. That gives it a shelf life of two or three weeks so they can ship it wherever they need to. If it's the least bit over pink, it went in the culls. I don't care if it's as big as your head. And I thought to myself, tell them this box that up and send them back out here. Grandma can them. No, shot right out into a two-ton truck, fed the hogs. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you may work so hard sometimes and get so little in return. You know Peter had to be tired. He'd been preaching. He'd been going. Here he is summons to another house to preach another message, pray over a dead person, probably do a funeral. But he came and he'd done something that nobody else had done up to that point. He knelt down and prayed earnestly and God heard his prayer. Church, it's time we pray earnestly. You say, preacher, how can I pray earnestly? Well, let me help us all tonight. First thing we need to do is repent ourselves. Get to where our prayer will get above the ceiling. I had a young man tell me that this week. He said, I know my prayer didn't get through the shingles. And I thought, well, if you know that, why don't you repent? How many of us know better and don't do better? Stay with me. Philippians 4 and 4. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Was you happy when you figured out today was Wednesday? Was you happy when you know just a couple more days we can come back again and it'll be Sunday? Now think about that. Re- uh, really rejoicing? Hey, uh, we're going to hear a singing group I've never heard this coming week. Amen? I'm hoping the house tires loose in worship. He said rejoice. Hello, stay with me. We're not far from where I just read there in verse number 1. Go back and read it. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Son, if that ain't bragging on you, I don't know what is. Now he's saying, hey, you got all the goods, you're living right, you're doing right, it's time to rejoice. Heard, I believe that's where the church comes short a lot of times. We truly do not rejoice. Listen, we could have attended a dozen funerals this week instead of one. Hello? We ought to rejoice. We ought to rejoice because we know our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We ought to rejoice. We ought to rejoice. We've still got an altar we can go pray in. We've got oil up here, and we're going to anoint this sister for tonight to with. God done laid that on my heart. She's suffering up here, but she's at the house of God. She's at the right place to get a healing. Amen. Now, I'm going to pull a car rolling on you. When we go to anoint here in a little while, if you don't believe, just go ahead and leave. Amen. We don't need no unbelief. We need some believers. He said, I said, rejoice. It's hard to rejoice when you truly do not believe. What do you believe in? I believe the power of God can change your life. I'm beginning to get happy. I believe God can save you from the gutters, the trash of this world. <laughs> Ashton told me a little joke this evening, honey. It's just right with me because of the message I had on my heart. She said, the world might say you're trash and throw you in. But remember, it's a trash can, not a trash can't. So trash can be changed. Hello? How many have seen the new diamonds or, or whatever they're calling it made from trash? Anybody seen that besides me? Oh, you need to get on the internet. They had this on Discovery Channel on television where they're incinerating all this garbage in the big cities with electricity. It leaves a black diamond-like material in the bottom. And they're making jewelry out of it. Said it's the third hardest substance they know of. And I thought out of trash and people, hey, you say, well, that ain't no way. How many remember it wasn't too many years ago quail poop was really high in jewelry? Does anybody remember that? Nobody. I live on this planet by myself. How many do remember hearing that? That old boy become a millionaire. What he was doing, a quail has droppings that lands a certain way. 
And he was encasing it in clear epoxy. And it was beautiful colored. And it was a long, 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 long time before he ever told what it was. Quail droppings. They had him on national television. First millionaire to ever make a million on quail droppings. And that just goes to show you that America will buy anything. How <laughs> I many remember the big centerpiece in Richard Petty's hat? Quail droppings. Most of you country singers had quail dropping <laughs> bolos. <laughs> now you're laughing about that and you're enjoying that. Why can't you enjoy the goodness of God? He said, I said rejoice. He didn't say come to the house of God and look like you're going to a funeral or just came from one. He said rejoice. Amen. Hey, I'm hurting, you're hurting, we're sick, getting old, but the older I get, the closer home I'm getting. Yep, man. Heard, I hope you don't outrun me. I hope we go together in the rapture. He's got a head start on me in years. I'm looking forward to it, ain't you? I'm going to be shaking in my boots when I get in front of him, fall flat on my face, but I just want to hear him say, Welcome. 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 I probably won't hear nothing else after that. I just want to hear welcome, don't you? I, hey, there's one thing for sure. I won't need hearing aids to hear it that day. Why? Because <laughs> I done left this old mortal body behind. He said, I said rejoice. Church, we need to rejoice. He said rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Wonder why he said it twice. I can tell you why. He's talking to Baptists. <laughs> They're a little hard of hearing sometimes. Somebody agree with me. Back up a little bit. First Corinthians, if you will, chapter 15. Verse number 58. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Stand fast. Rejoice. Are you with me? Your labor is not in vain. That's probably one of the verses in the Bible that helps me the most. Because sometimes, how did you ever feel like you were just spinning your wheels when you was pastor? Yeah, I know you did, brother. Every preacher sometimes feels that way. Feel like you're just spinning your wheels, ain't getting nowhere. He said, don't worry about it. <laughs> he said, your labor won't go in vain. I, I want to tell you something you may not know tonight. Listen to me carefully. Beardy done gave air to it tonight. His testimony done more than his singing. And he didn't think much of his testimony. He thought more of his singing. Yeah, he thought his singing was doing the job. No, your testimony will do the job. Even if they don't ever let you know, it's still done the job. Why? Because it planted the seed that they can't get away from. 
I tell you, that's one thing we ought to rejoice in, that we got a work in the Lord that we can do, and our labor is not in vain. Beardy, every song you sung, every mile you've went, Joanne the same way, Tanya the same way, all of these that's ever done anything for God, whether it's mowing the grass out here, cleaning the bathrooms, everything you've ever done, you will get rewarded for that. Are you listening? I'm glad he is a just rewarder. He said even to a glass of water that you gave in his name. Now think about that. How hard is that to carry somebody a glass of water? Somebody carries me a bottle of water nearly every week up here. Hardly ever miss a a service that they ain't got me a bottle. They're going to get their reward for that. Now think about it. They ain't out on no big billboard. I'm the water carrier. They ain't made no movie about them. I'm the water boy. Right? Only if you play football can you get that one. But you're going to get rewarded for everything you've ever done for God. Aren't you glad? Listen. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Listen to this. I know an old boy who was on the cross and died. He looked at his friend and said, we're getting our just reward. He turned to the Lord and said, remember me. And the Lord said, today they, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today. What he said, you're going to get your reward today for what you just done. You turned to the Lord at the right moment, at the right time. You told your friend. He done witnessed. Amen. Hey, we're getting what we deserve, not him. Amen. <laughs> Lord, help us tonight. You think the preacher's the only one going to get a reward? I beg to differ with you. Why did it mention this woman in this message tonight? This woman, did you notice what they were showing? Look at the coat she made. Look at the coat she made us. She is a worker with her hands. She was a giver to God's family, God's program, God's things. Now listen to me. The very least thing you can do, God has never, ever forgot it. He is a rewarder. Hey, can I tell you something tonight and you may have forgot? It's already done. It's already recorded. Aren't you glad the devil can't rub it out? Can't take it away from us, Herod. <laughs> Are you with me? Say amen. I feel like preaching now. Be all right if I preach a while. You ought to enjoy this. Well, nobody agreed on that one. You ought to enjoy this. I'm trying to find Ephesians. Will you help me? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Why? For this is right. Are you with me? That ought to be done. Ooh, that got quiet. (laughs) I've probably had more discussions in that area than any other area since I became a preacher and a pastor. 
Little Johnny won't do so and so. Little Sandy won't do this, won't do that. Well, did you teach them? Did you start with them young? Did you teach them to obey the Lord makes their days long? Got quiet, didn't it? Does the children rule the roost? Oh, it's getting quiet, ain't it? Let it sink. Those things shouldn't be done. That child shouldn't be taught. I want to help you tonight. Sis back there, help me before I ever got service started. I've said it a thousand times if I've said it once. Why would you tell your child not to do something and you doing it in front of them? Because they're going to go by your example. You ought to go to church. Well, you ought to. You ought to take them to church. You ought to train them up. Going to church is the right thing to do. You ought to train them up. Listen, folks. It's not haphazardly. It's one precept upon precept. Go back and read the Old Testament. That's how you teach them. We want to slap them when they're 15 say, You're going to church. Too late. That child done set in his ways. You better tread on water lightly there. You'll run him off instead of run him in. The only way you can help that child is get on your knees and pray and live it in front of them and hope and pray to God the Holy Spirit gets them somewhere. Amen. Richard Cole's a good example of that. You heard his testimony right here in this church. He'd never been to church. He'd never been taught those things. His daddy got hurt in church and wouldn't go back. How many do we know tonight have that same problem? They stump their toe in church and they ain't going back. They mad, puffed up, mad at God instead of being mad at whoever it was that caused the infraction. Amen. Listen, if church is worth anything, it's worth fighting for to get to it. You're going to have to wrestle with that flesh you're wrapped up in to get to church. Most of us in here tonight probably have a legitimate reason that you could have said, Preacher, I'm not coming. By the way, Brother Larry, Blake called today and said his sugar was killing him. Uh, he is in the bed. He said, Pray for him and Kathy. Lord's help, he'd see us uh, Sunday. So remember him tonight. When you've got sugar and stuff like that and it flares up on you, that's hard to overcome. So he has a legitimate reason he's not able. But listen, this cause your back hurts, your head hurts, your arm hurts, your leg hurts, you stumped your toe, you got a hangnail. Them ain't really good excuses. I don't believe God will hear that cry. I believe God wants you in the house of God when you're hurting. Hey, he wouldn't have me sitting here with my jaw wired shut if he didn't want me here. Hey Amen. He wouldn't have me sitting here in the back brace if he didn't want me here. Hello? leg. Y'all may keep on naming budget ribs. <laughs> yeah. There's been times I couldn't come. But it sure wasn't because I didn't want to. Rejoice in the Lord. 
stand fast. We better hold fast what we got, church. Don't let me preach too long. I'm going to preach it till the end anyway. If ain't nobody back there, well, Mama's got her own car. She can leave too. Hopefully she won't. Revelations. She ain't never left me. I ain't say she didn't want to. Revelations chapter 14. I'll try to close. Revelations 14 verse number 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. I hope and pray that when I leave this world, that somebody can stand in the pulpit and say, that old boy finished his work. I don't want him to stand up there and say he's the best preacher that ever was. No, 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 no. I don't want that. Because I'm not. Because I'm wrapped in this flesh. I'm human. I'm not perfect. I'm, I, I ain't in comparison with Paul and these guys. But I am a preacher. I hope I can finish my work. I, I hope like Brother Ken Brady told me down on the trade lot in Hickory one Thursday, he'd had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and he had had to step down from pastoring his church out here, pastored 24 years there. And he said, Dennis, he said, just pray, God let me hoe out my row. And I said, Brother, I'll do it. I knew what he was talking about. In other words, he said, God ain't finished with me yet. He may be finished with me pastoring, but I know he ain't finished with me preaching. Well, he ended up pastoring out of that anyway, and he died pastoring. Why? Because he had a pastor's heart. He had a pastor's heart. He preached many revivals every year on top of pastoring. He took that church, and when he took the church, they had like 60 members. And when he had to retire, they had 350 members. He went to the backside of the lake, took that little church over there. It had like 100 members, and when he passed away, it was around 150. He said, just pray that God will let me hoe out my row. In other words, he didn't want to leave nothing undone, unfinished, that God wanted him to do. Church, you know that's probably one of the biggest things in our life we'll have to stand for God for. The things that we did not do that we should have done. Could anybody in here tonight say, I prayed all God wanted me to pray. I've read the Bible all God wanted me to read. I've visited all God wanted me to visit. I come to church every time the doors was open. Can I say this tonight and not hurt nobody? Ever since I've been saved, if there's a revival somewhere, I wanted to go to it. It didn't have to be at my church. I just wanted to go where there's preaching and praying and shouting and praising God. 
I wanted to be around God's people so I didn't have to wait for my church to call for revival for me to get revived. Have you got that kind of heart tonight? That you want to hear the word? You want to hear somebody praise him? You want to hear somebody testify? You want to see some young child come down for the first time and sing a song? It's done. If you read on in the book of Revelation, the Lord says several times in the book of Revelation, it's done. It's done. When he wipes this thing up, he's going to say it's done. He said on the cross, it is finished. That's saying it's done. What did he say? I've come and done everything my father wanted me to do. Now I'm going back to him. I'm going to leave you the comforter of the Holy Ghost to help you get it done. So I'm going to ask you tonight, can we get it done, church? Can we get it done that God would be glorified when we die and leave this world? They can say, he done a good job. Everybody stand, every head bowed and every eye closed and the altars open. Just for a moment of invitation, then we're going to pray for Sister Joanne and her health issue, and Brother Dave and his. Father, I pray I've done my best here tonight for you. I pray my people have heard the word tonight, Father, and they're talking to you now. The altar's open for them, Lord. They need to come and talk to you here in this altar. Let them come now. Father, if they need to cry out before it's too late, let them come now. If they want to repent tonight of their shortcomings, let them come now. Lord, help us to hear tonight. Not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Father, we hear it plainly, but sometimes we don't do it so good. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Father, that you'd be pleased in all that'd be done to glorify you. Help this little church, Father, I pray, do its best till our time is over. We hear the sound of the trumpet call us all home. We bless you and praise you because, Lord, we can stand before you and say, Father, we did our best that you might be glorified. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.